how do you know if you're ready for service? Here's Pastor Xavier Reese. One of the chief characteristics of leadership is that of being tried through many tests. When God puts you up front, you're constantly being tested. When a bridge is built across a thousand-foot precipice, it's tested every time somebody walks across it. Every time it has to prove its faithfulness. So if you are opening your heart to be used of God, then you're going to be tested. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Scripture tells us that God's work comes not by might nor by power, but by His Spirit. That's still God's program for successful leadership. Today, as he continues his character study of Moses, Pastor Xavier brings up five important simple truths of godly leadership. Here he is with today's lesson, Moses Part 2. Let's listen. Oswald Sanders, in his book entitled Spiritual Leadership, opens his chapter on the search for leadership with this quote. Listen to it. Give me a man of God, one man, whose faith is master of his mind, and I will right all wrongs and bless the name of all mankind. Give me a man of God, one man, whose tongue is touched with heaven's fire, and I will flame the darkest hearts with high resolve and clean desire. Give me a man of God, one man, one mighty prophet of the Lord, and I will give you peace on earth, but with a prayer and not a sword. Give me a man of God, one man, true to the vision that he sees, and I will build your broken shrines and bring the nations to their knees. We have men within the scripture that we look, and even men in our contemporary world who have yielded to God, God has used them, and we're just in awe of them. And yet the potential is unlimited because even as the psalmist says that the children of Israel limited the Lord in the wilderness. God did not limit himself. Sky is literally the limit to our lives, to what God would do. Whenever there's a failure, I am more comfortable with believing that the failure is on my part and man's part and not God's. And so the exhortation is to be open to God, to be used of God to be obedient to God, to be available to God. One of the chief characteristics of leadership is that of being tried through many tests. When God puts you up front, you're constantly being tested. When a bridge is built, one of those rope-hanging bridges across the thousand-foot precipice, it's tested every time somebody walks across it. <laughs> every time it's being tested. Every time it has to prove its faithfulness. And so if you are opening your heart to be used of God, if you are being used in any form or any capacity, then you're going to be tested. How much more as a leader? Moses, the tried leader, occupies the time from the Exodus to Kadesh Barnea. So Exodus 14 till Numbers 14. Moses, the tried leader, is marked by five characteristics. First of all, the scapegoat of the people. That's what Moses was. Secondly, the overseer of the people. Thirdly, the servant of the people. Fourth, the intercessor of the people. And fifth, the witness of rebellious consequences of the people. 
So let's begin with the scapegoat of the people. First characteristic. We find this in Exodus chapter 14. Uh, the people charged Moses with attempting to kill them in the wilderness as he uh, takes them down the route that God has chosen to cross the Dead Sea. It's interesting that uh, they had seen all the miracles of God in Egypt, all the things that he did, even killing the firstborn. And yet God led them that way. They didn't choose their own going, but it was God himself who led them that way. And in chapter 14, uh, verses 11 through 13, God led them between Migdal and the sea and the Egyptian army behind them. And he did this to reveal their hearts in the destruction of the Egyptians. You see, many times God will lead you and myself down a way that it seems pretty good at first, but then all of a sudden God starts putting some difficulties upon our life and some pressures on our life, and we start freaking out like they come here. Oh, the Egyptians are coming. The seas before us. We're dead. Now, you, why'd you leave us alone? You should have left us alone. We would have been better off in Egypt. But God puts me in that way, first of all, to reveal my heart, how ungrateful I am. And then secondly, to see the power of God. God led Moses in the way that he would never have gone himself across the Red Sea, verses 15 and 16. The Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. Lift up your rod, stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. <laughs> Even Moses wasn't sure what was going to happen here because God wasn't revealing everything. And God doesn't always reveal everything to you or to myself, does he? It's one step at a time. Sometimes not even that. In chapter 15, you know what the result is. The Egyptians were wiped out. They crossed on dry ground. Now many try to assume that the parting of the Red Sea was really not such a miracle. Because there's a, a section in that area called the Sea of Reeds. And that the ocean is really not that deep. And when the tide goes out, you could very easily walk across. So they say. I don't know how true that is. But if that's the case, it's a bigger miracle. Because God drowned the entire Egyptian army in a foot of water. <laughs> Either way, you've got a miracle. Which one do you want? And so the result of that in chapter 15 is that God led them to victory in order that the people would fear the Lord and believe in his servant Moses. Verse 31 says, God does what he does that we might fear him and that we might honor, respect, and trust the person God is leading based on his batting average. That when he leads, it's evidence of God leading because the results are God's, not his own. That's important. Now, notice secondly in chapter 15, verse 23 on down to 24, that the people complain against Moses three days later having nothing to drink but bitter water at Mara. How interesting. You know, it, it doesn't take long for us to forget what God has done and then another test comes up 
And we say, oh, what are you doing, God? <laughs> what is it now? <laughs> and yet in chapter 15, verse 25, he says, so he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, and when he cast it in the water, the waters were made sweet. There he made a statue and an ordinance for them, and there he tested them. God used this to have Moses depend on him for the solution of the wilderness. This is just a the beginning. There are going to be many more troubles, many more difficulties. And as we come to the Lord at first, and, 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 and the problems and, and, and difficulties he allows to come to our life, they're, they're small, but they seem big because we're infants. We're, we're young Christians, right? But they're only the beginning. If, if God would show us the bigger ones down the road, we'd probably run the other way. But see, we can't handle them right then, so he don't show them to us. Or we die. But he's tuning our ear. He's preparing our heart that we might depend upon him. This is what he's doing to Moses. He's a leader. He's learning as he's going along. Then in verse 27, God was allowing Moses to see that the people could only have their need met by God. Then they came to Elam, and there was 12 wells of water, the 70 palm trees, and they camped there by the water. You see, the man of God, the leader of God, must know always that God is faithful to provide, but he has to be real careful not to confuse what God provides and then what God is doing through time to forget and think that it's because of him or that he's bringing about. Notice, thirdly, in Exodus 16, the people complain against Moses again and Aaron about food one month at the wilderness of sin. At least they've got the name right. <laughs> In verses 7 through 8, Moses was to communicate that their complaint was really against the Lord. In verse 27 and 28, Moses was to see that regardless of what was provided, the quail and the manna, the people would not give complete obedience to God. But notice, fourthly, in chapter 17 now, verse 1 through 7, the people contended with Moses due to the fact that they had no water again. Now, now it's water. See, you get the picture? If it isn't one thing, it's going to be another. People say, oh, you know, if, if I only didn't have this, if I had that, I could handle that. No, you wouldn't. We always think we could, but we can't. In verse 2, Moses was to tell the people that they were tempting the Lord. There comes a place in the time when people are tempting the Lord because of the privilege they've had in the past. Judgment is always according to the measure of light, remember? Always. But what does God do? God is shaping the leader. God is training. God is, is, is molding him. In verse 4, Moses was to know he was not to fear the people, and, and God would protect them against being stoned. <laughs> See, these guys were ticked off. They are getting tired of Moses. You know, when people aren't mad at you as a pastor, you're the greatest guy in the world. Would you just go ahead and make a decision that somebody doesn't like? <laughs> you just say something over the pulpit that kind of rubs them the wrong way. Well, they'll tar and feather you. You remember David when he um, got in trouble with God, and God says, I'll give you three choices, David, I'll, pestilence, sword, or the people. He says, oh, don't give me the people. <laughs> you judge me. Oh, so right. The people of God are bad news. As long as everything's going great, boy, we just sparkle. We have a Christian smile. But you just let things go wrong. Whoa. 
It's uh, embarrassing at times. In verse 6, Moses was to give to the people the provisions of God according to God's direction. See, he's training Moses, right? You give them the way I tell you to. I don't have any agenda. I don't have any patterns, any great plans. I just want to follow what God has. And that's important. So the tried leader Moses was the scapegoat of the people. A leader is. Secondly, the tried leader is characterized by being the overseer of the people. In chapter 18 of Exodus, verses 13 through 16, first of all, Moses had the Messiah complex. As you know right here, Moses is leading the people, and he's um, there standing from day to night, judging the people. Moses alone sat alone to hear the people's inquiry in verse 13. And then Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, comes to him in verse 14 and, and says, you know, why, why are you doing such a thing? And in verses 15 and 16, Moses said that uh, he was sought out by the people. Whoa, that's dangerous. You see, when, when a leader gets the Messiah complex and he feels he's the only one that can answer the people's questions, he's in trouble. Now, I don't think a shepherd should isolate himself, and, and I certainly don't, and I, I talk to people. Uh, but it's when the leader begins to get this complex that he cripples himself and what God can do because nothing gets done. And then he has no time to pray, no time to study. In verses 17, Moses was told by Joseph that he was doing, what he was doing was not good. It's good to have men around you. Say, listen, you, you might reconsider that. Have godly men around you. Don't be un, an untouchable. Don't be a lone ranger in ministry. Verse 18, the reason was he, he and the people would wear him out. He could not do it alone. And the counsel in verse 19 through 22 was that he was to choose qualified men and designate them over large numbers, uh, thousands, hundreds, fifties, and so on and so forth. And they would take care of the smaller matters and the difficult matters they would bring to him and he would go before the Lord. Now that's wisdom. That's called delegation, oversight. And that's what we do. I teach, I minister, I disciple, and I oversee. And other men do the other works of the ministry. I couldn't do everything. I wouldn't want to do everything. God raises men and women up in the ministry. And the ministry is handed down. And much more gets done. And the benefit was that it would be easier for Moses and the burden would be shared. You find this throughout the Scriptures, the New Testament, in Acts chapter 6, when the church began to grow and the Hebrew-Grecian ladies were being, thought they were being neglected. And, and so they told the disciples, they said, listen, it's not good for us to leave prayer and the Word of God. You pick out six men full of the Holy Ghost and we'll lay hands on them, confirm them, and let them do the work. All right. Read Timothy chapter 3, first, uh, Titus 1 and 2. All of that speaks about deacons and elders and, and the oversight. So the tried leader Moses was the overseer of the people. He oversaw. An elder speaks more of the position and his age. But an overseer, a bishop, speaks of his, what he does. He oversees. He doesn't do everything, but he oversees. He's a good administrator. He delegates. And a lot gets done. Now notice thirdly. 
Moses, the tried leader, is seen as the servant of the people. This is important. This brings us to Exodus 19. Moses, first of all, was an obedient servant by bringing the people to Mount Sinai as God had told him. Remember when he first called them out in the beginning of the book of Exodus? He says, when you bring them out, bring them out to this mountain. Here's the servant of God, obedient. He brings them. In verses 1 and 2 of chapter 19, the time was three months after the Exodus, on the third month after the children of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt. In verses 3 through 6, God made a conditional covenant based on obedience. Based on obedience. Verse 5, they would be a special treasure above all people. Verse 6, they would be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation to God. Based on what? Obedience. It was a conditional covenant. And then from verse 7 down to 24, the people were to be consecrated to the Lord and not come near the mountain or die. Now, you know the book of Hebrews gives us a commentary. He says, we have not come to the mountain as Moses did, Mount Sinai, that burned with fire and lightning. But we've come to Jesus, to the heavenly Jerusalem. And we don't have to fear that way. It's a whole different covenant. Now notice, secondly, as we move on to Exodus chapter 20, Moses became a faithful mediator of the covenant for the people. And this goes from chapter 20 down to chapter 24 of Exodus. In chapter 20, you have the 10 words which were given to be the foundation of God, of a God-centered society. The 10 commandments, literally the 10 words. The first table of the law dealt with, God, with man's relationship to God. This is the source of the second. The second table is uh, dealt with man's relationship to man. My relationship to God is always the key one. I must love God first before I can love you. Not love myself first, love God first. <laughs> if I don't get something from God, I give you me, and I'm not very good. <laughs> the purpose was that they fear God and not sin, Exodus 20, 20 says. Every society that has any sort of standard for society will be based upon the Ten Commandments. So simple, so fundamental. We can't even have them listed in our schools because the educators say that the children might obey them. Whoa, that'd really be bad. That'd really hurt us today, wouldn't it? Verse 22 down to 26 of Exodus 20, the worship of God was to be simple and without bringing attention to oneself. In verse 23, no image of God was to be made. In verse 24 and 25, no extravagance at the altar was to be uh, detract from the worship of God. Just throw a big pile of dirt there. <laughs> How interesting. I'm always interested. I, I go by churches that make their buildings all ornate and, and they think they look beautiful. And most of them are ugly. Just make it simple. They're all caught up with all the extravagance, and boy, look at that. That must have cost a couple of bucks. And, you know, make it clean and simple. That's all. Verse 26 says, No immodesty was to be allowed in the worship. In other words, uh, the ramp was to be progressive. So this way, when the priest went up, he would not lift his leg. You wouldn't, he, since he's up higher, you wouldn't be able to look up his garment. How interesting. 
Notice thirdly, the various civil and moral laws were the judgments, were to be the judgments for the people. You get this from Exodus 21 down to chapter 24. Now he's getting this all up on the mountain, those first 40 days, the Ten Commandments and all these judgments. And in, in Exodus 21 and 22, you get the particular laws. In 23, the provisions for justice for all in the first nine verses, no, no partial judgment. Then in chapter 24, you have the elders and Moses affirm the covenant. They say, yes, we will do it. Yes, we agree. God is the one setting the order, not man. That's important. See, we agree with God. Amos 3.3 says, can two walk together except they be agreed? The answer is no. And it's we who agree with God, not God with us. He sets the agenda. Now notice thirdly, from chapter 25 down to 31, Moses became the diligent overseer of the building of the tabernacle for the people of God. In chapter 25, verse 2, Moses was to declare that God would only accept what was given willingly from the heart. Listen to this. Speak to the children of Israel that they bring uh, me an offering from everyone who gives it willingly with his heart. You shall take my offering. That's all God always wants. Whatever you and I would give to God, our time, our money, our energies, our, whatever it is, that we do it from our heart. God doesn't like begrudging giving. You've already read 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9. Read it if you haven't. Not begrudgingly, hilariously. God honors that. I have found that most people that lack usually rob God. I have not met a person yet who was faithful to God and giving to God what belongs to God that had real financial problems. Now, you've got the extreme where the faith teachers are saying, you give one and God will give you ten. That's not what the Bible teaches. That's the wrong motive. But it's interesting that the people who are always complain about not having or are always asking are the people who never give. There's an interesting correlation between the two. God says a willing heart. In verse 8, Moses was to declare that they were to make a dwelling in order that God would dwell with them. God wanted to dwell with them, and God wanted to know that he was going to dwell with them. So here's Moses. He's a diligent overseer to build a tabernacle so that God could dwell with them. And then in verse 9, Moses was to declare that they were to follow the pattern of all the furnishings. Notice that. According to all that I show you, that, that is, the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the furnishings, just so you shall make it. The book of Hebrews makes this emphasis over and over and over again. Why? Because it spoke of future things to come and things in heaven. Exactly. God is training Moses that when God says something, he wants it fulfilled to the detail. Exactly. He's the one who's directing. He's the one who's guiding. He's the one who's setting the agenda. So important for a leader to understand that. You know, he wants control of his church. Are we willing to trust him? Are we willing to say, Lord, yeah, Lord, it's crazy, but you know what? We'll go for it, Lord. <laughs> it's up to you. Pastor Xavier Reese on the blessing that follows a life lived by faith. A faith in a God who never fails.
Important simple truths we're learning in a character study series of Moses. By the way, you can hear this message again if you like online anytime by selecting today's date at the radio listings link at calvarychapelpasadena.com. And there's still more to come from this important study next time right here as well. Now, if your schedule won't permit you to tune in, you can pick up a copy of this message on CD for just $4. The title you want to ask for is Moses Part 2. Why not pass along a copy to a friend or loved one when you're through? So once again, the title to ask for is Moses Part 2, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And it's important that you mention the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us monitor this outreach in your area. Leadership may get the recognition, but it also must pay the price. Learn more when you join Pastor Xavier Reese for the next edition of Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com